What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Ask Nick Show. In this week's episode, we are having a trading session. We played just a couple of great tunes, so if you want to play along, we'd love to have you. Stella by Starlight, uh, Cedar Walton's Bolivia, and in the middle of those two, we played Like Someone in Love in the key of C, not E flat. Uh, so if you want to play along, we'd love to have you. Some amazing questions this week, and... Uh, a bunch of great trombonists stopped by, so a couple of uh, shout-outs to all those guys, and it was a really fun episode, so I hope you'll enjoy it as well. Check the description box for the time codes of all the different questions, uh, all the different uh, parts of the episode where we jumped in and uh, played some tunes. So hope you enjoy the episode. Let me know what your questions are down below. Let me know what tunes we should do in the next trading session, and we'll catch you in the next one. Enjoy. What's up, Nils? Friday, and we're live. Hello, hello. What's up, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram? Hope everyone is doing well. Um, this is Friday, January 22nd, and Friday, January 22nd is, of course, JJ Johnson's birthday. And uh, so, of course, we need to start out today's live stream with a little bit of JJ Johnson, I think. And uh, if you saw on my IG uh, post today or Facebook post talking about favorite records so um, you know i hope that you can share some of your favorite records jj records today and um, so despite you know the records that i put on there and all the uh, talk about jj in person and the octets uh, is um, when i think about jj everyone always thinks about his tune writing as like lament is the first tune that comes to mind right and um, yeah there you go see lament coming in on the chat right on time uh, lament is like everyone's favorite but uh before we get to that i'm gonna play some music on my own one of jj's tunes so uh one of jj's great tunes that i love uh and i've loved it for a long time any of you know if any of my old former students from florida state see this you know i was obsessed with this tune at that point and i've used i've recorded it and put it up a bunch of times uh and been, made a big uh, not a big band but a trombone ensemble arrangement for, of, of Judy, this tune that JJ wrote, and it's one of my favorites. And I've been working on uh, kind of a solo arrangement of this tune, and so uh, we're going to start with that before we dive into the trading session today. So while we're doing that, if you're here for the trading session, we're going to get to that in just a minute. Uh, we're going to play four tunes today uh, all together, kind of trading back and forth. I'll be sending you the backing track, um, but we're going to kick it off today. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of a solo version of J.J. Uh, Johnson's Judy. So thank you, J.J., for the inspiration constantly. And uh, thank you to um, Michael Deese, who, uh, when I went up to Michigan State last fall, was it last fall? 2019 fall. Uh, we, he gave me a, a nice uh, a picture. He had a bunch of copies made of a great picture of J.J., and I've got it in my office uh, to remind me to get my stuff together so and to keep it together because jj set the bar pretty darn high so uh, without further ado i'm going to go ahead and play this uh, arrangement uh first arrangement first time uh playing this arrangement of uh, judy by jj johnson so we're going to get started with that <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
So there's a little bit of JJ. I had to do it, get a little bit of uh, a little bit of JJ love there. So thanks for putting up with a little of my playing before we jump in. Uh, it's a hard one. I had a, some other things planned. I didn't play those things though, but that's okay. Uh, we'll do it again another time. <laughs> awesome. Oh, thanks for all the comments. I see everybody in there. What's up, Alton? What's up, Paul? I hope you're doing great, man. Another Paul. Yeah, these JJ tunes. There's something about the those tunes, like that specifically that one we were just playing. That um, it's like it's kind of circular. Like it doesn't actually really end ever. So if you know the tune, like it goes, you know, like C minor, D seven, E flat, E, B flat over F. F diminished G minor and then you're in G minor for a minute and it goes to E flat and it just like it keeps going and then it goes to that pedal section where it alternates between B flat over F and F F sharp diminished or D7 or like F altered however you want to think about it that kind of F F sharp that whole thing 
all of that. So, uh, yeah, definitely one of my favorites. Well, I'm glad that they sound clear and easy, Caleb. So it's a goal of mine to always to be able to play clearly. Clarity is the name of the game or one of the names of the games for me, uh, for sure. So I appreciate everybody stopping by. All right. So we're going to get to some of the topics of the day. Uh, before we jump in and move into the trading, I wanted to address a question that came up last week, uh, and I didn't get to uh, answer the question. Um, someone was talking about double-tonguing, multiple-tonguing, and having some trouble using it uh, for their for when they're improvising. So um, I think that uh, you have to start practicing playing with double-tongue like in a slow right in the slow tempo like so for example if i was playing this tune we were just playing so i was probably mostly single tonguing but um multiple tonguing would end up being even at that slow tempo i could still practice multiple tonguing so that when i went faster uh, it would be clean and clear so what i mean is like you know i could play da 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 or i could go da 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 Right? Da 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 do da 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 So what I'm always trying to do when I'm um, playing and improvising and play and just playing whatever, whether it's single tongue or multiple tongue, is matching the two together so that I can freely articulate how I would talk, however I would say the phrase. And I've said this to my students if they're watching, you know, they'll say, Oh yeah, he says this all the time. If you say it, however you say it, like doodle, double, whatever. Um, you should articulate it that way. If you go, that's doodle, right? That's how you should articulate it because that's what's natural to you. You know, that's my one kind of pet peeve about, well, maybe there's more pet peeves, but my one thing is that everyone is different, you know, like, and you can't subscribe to like, this way is right. And this way is wrong. It's like, this way is right for these people. This way is right for these people. So for me, that's pretty important. So I would hope and hope you will kind of take that approach and kind of think about how you need to find what works for you. You know, that's something I talk about that, you know, Wycliffe Gordon was super great at for me and our in our teaching or student teacher relationship was in having that um, curiosity, instilling the curiosity, basically like giving answers when necessary, but really actually trying to make me go and find the information myself, you know, uh, not necessarily like just handing it all over. Here you go. This is how you do it. It was like, no, like here you go. Like here's some stuff like go, you can go and like figure out the rest from here. So, so there it is. There's a question about multiple tonguing and how you implement it into jazz. So you, the steps are to figure out how you would say it naturally and then try to do it at slow tempos. Because if you can't do it at that speed, cleanly, there's no way you're going to go. All that is not going to happen. So, uh, And I do D, a D and a G syllable. So, uh, enjoying Javier Nero. Yeah, Javier is great. We released his album this summer on my label, Outside in Music. It's called Freedom. Uh, if you want to check it out, Javier and I were at Juilliard at the same time and little known trivia fact, we have the same birthday, not the same year. He's a little younger than me, but same day, same birthday. 
but yeah, he's doing great. He accepted a position in one of the military bands. I think the Army Blues, I believe. And he's away at uh, getting prepped for that. I think he's at boot camp right now, actually, uh, this January 2021. So our program for today is going to include four tunes. So hopefully you're ready to rock and roll. Uh, we're going to play Stella by Starlight. We're going to play... Um, like someone I love, Bolivia, because this week was also Cedar Walton's birthday, who is the composer of Bolivia, of course. And um, so we're going to kick it off with Cell by Starlight. So what's going to happen is we'll play the melody together. If you want to, you could play like a harmony line, you know, make yourself happy uh, or just play the melody along with me. And then what we'll do is we'll end up trading. So I'll kind of call it out as we go, but if I'm not playing, that pretty much means you should be playing. And so it's it's interactive. So if you want to record your side, and then we can see it later with Stella, we're going to so watch out in the last A on this particular version. They do the chromatic half steps down: E A, E flat, A flat, D G, C sharp, F sharp in those last eight bars. But yeah, if you record your side, I'd love love to put it together a video of some all of us trading together. That would be super awesome. Uh, but no pressure. You can just do this for fun, uh, and it'll be up on YouTube eventually, so you can uh, go and go and play a, play it back and practice, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We're gonna kick it off with Stella by Starlight. All right, here we go. One, two, one, two, three, Thank you. 
Welcome. If you're just joining us, we're having a little trading party today, playing some tunes. Hope you're having a good Friday. And uh, thanks for everyone's coming in, making some nice comments here. Appreciate that, Carlos. Uh, let's see. Paul has a question. Paul says, great playing. Are each of the chord names and sequences memorized in your head or are they in your ear instead or both? Uh, it's both, I guess. You kind of learn tunes and you internalize the chord structure. You internalize the chord uh, the sounds of the chords. And this is that particular tune is when you learn usually fairly early on in the game. And then over the years, it just becomes more and more automatic, but you're also listening, you know, and listening to this 
I don't always play along with these play along. So for me, I try to not do it so that when I do play along with the play along, I can kind of pretend like it's a real band, you know? Um, so if I get too, if you get too entrenched with the play along, you get to know exactly what's coming. Right. And then it doesn't feel organic anymore. But if you do it sparingly, like I try to do it sparingly, it can be more interesting, I guess, musically. But yeah, you, you internalize the chord progression. Um, I don't, I don't really like to use the word memorize because memorize implies that you're just like reciting a list of chord names back and just remembering the sequence as opposed to internalizing mean to me means that you don't have to guess because you know it, you know, you know it, you could play it on the piano, you could play a bass line. Uh, Selmer Paris says, do you have a favorite JJ tune? We can look up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we were talking at the very beginning about, um, and I played a little version and you can see it after the live stream is over if you like, but Judy is a favorite. I also like shortcake. Those are two if you want to look them up. But yes, today is JJ Johnson's birthday. If you didn't know, we started off the day with talking, just talking JJ and talking about favorite records. Some people dropped in some favorite records. Uh, JJ in person, one is one for me. And the J&K octet, that first one with Night in Tunisia on it is another favorite of mine. Uh, and mostly I'm just saying it's my favorite because it was one of the first ones. Not necessarily because it's the only good one, but that was my, you know, my one of my first loves. Uh, and Caleb says, mixing your sound for live streams is way harder than I thought. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of moving variables, especially as you introduce more and more more things. Okay, Michael asks, hey Nick, where do you see jazz or jazz trombone going in the future in the sense that swing evolved to bebop, then to free, etc.? Oh man, um, I don't know. I guess I, I mean, a lot of different people are taking it in a lot of different directions. I guess it depends on what your preferences are as a, as a person, you know? So people are going to do their thing, you know? Like, it, I want to see people getting away from feeling tied down you know, with the trombone specifically, because people have, at least I do, and I think other people have like a, what would you call it? Like a stigma or something about the trombone and like, oh, I can't do this or I can't do that. But yeah, we can pretty much do whatever, man. Like, we, I think it's a great lead instrument. I think it works well in small groups. I hope that we can get more people, you know, pl thinking of trombone as like a lead instrument, not like an obnoxious instrument. Man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I'm not a predictor of the future. I'm not a seer. <laughs> I know that I want to make music that I know it's cliche. Like I, I hear like, you know, I want to swing, but I also want to play other stuff. I want to play free. I want to play the lineage of the music. I want to play like sixties modal Wayne shorter stuff. I want to do all of it. So yes, Caleb says we can't just say trombone is hard and give up. Yes. <laughs> Please don't just say that trombone is hard, but don't give up. Chris asked a question. He says, what's your favorite hidden gem record that not a lot of people know of? Oh man, uh, hidden gem record. I guess it depends when you say not a lot of people know about, are we talking, it's like kind of a relative term, right? It's like, uh, how deep, how deep of a historian are we talking about? Like you, Chris, probably know about whatever records that I would bring up, but maybe a younger student maybe wouldn't, you know, one that I think is really good of JJ, since we're talking about JJ is some where he's not, he's not, um, the leader, you know, so I'm finding some, there's a horse silver, uh, Cape Verdean blues. I mean, a lot, I mean, people know about that record, I think. And I, but I think it's interesting because, uh, it's Joe Henderson and Kenny Dorham and JJ. No, is it Kenny Dorham or is it Freddie? Uh Oh, getting caught on my cotton red handed here. But, uh, anyway, like it's definitely Joe Henderson and it's like kind of interesting to hear, um, JJ play with those guys and play different kind of music. Cause that's kind of pushing beyond JJ's comfort zone, you know? Um, so that's interesting. Um, I like, um, some of the lot, there's like a, a Duke Ellington record called, um, 
Blues in Orbit. Not a lot of people listen to. I like that one. Um, but yeah, Nutville is iconic. I, it's not like uh, that hidden of a gem of a record. But um, yeah, Blues in Orbit, Duke Ellington. I like that one. There's the one called The Lost Sessions. Uh, it's all these small group sessions. Those are pretty cool to hear. I like, but I like also the suites of Duke Ellington. Sometimes people listen to him, sometimes they don't. So it's really like depends on who we're talking to here. Like, um, like the New Orleans suite, like Far East suite, like all that stuff. Oh, there we go. This is a slept on record. This is obvious. I should have said this. Uh, the standards album from Live at the Village Vanguard, J.J. Johnson. It's got a black cover with a trombone on it, um, gold trombone. You know, and uh, some of my students couldn't find it. They bought it on cassette tape and then transferred the cassette tape to digital. That's a, Some people sleep on that one, but there's a great solo on Just Friends on there. And there's a great version. Oh, man, the great version of My Funny Valentine on there. They play so musically, so musically, so music. Yeah, it's killing. Yeah, it was on YouTube. The Standards album was on YouTube. They took it down. I have it now. DJ asked, do you think the jazz clubs are going to be able to stay open with these live stream concerts? I have no clue, man. I hope so. Um, a lot of them are doing fundraising efforts in addition. So if you, you know, it's going to be important for us to try to support these clubs, man. It's going to be hard to definitely hard with no, basically no income. You know, you can only get so much for these tickets, you know, for these live streams. So I would definitely, if you can support the clubs, support the clubs, you know, they're trying their best, you know, <clears throat> Smalls has a great uh, foundation, you know, if you can. And uh, that's one, that's the lifeblood of the creative jazz scene in New York is Smalls, you know, um, as well as the great venues like Dizzy's and the Blue Note and Jazz Center's closed now and Birdland's in danger of being closed. So um, I don't know, man. It's like, uh, it's hard. I don't have a good answer. I hope so. But um, if they don't, something will come back. You know, I think we're, we're going to have to be nimble um, as an industry. I think we're going to have to embrace jazz's role as a non-popular form of music. You know, I, sometimes I think our problems come from trying to straddle the divide between you know, like a classical model and a pop model. And we kind of sit in the middle. And so we get neither, neither, <laughs> you know, we, we get no success in either way because we don't have a lot of, um, you know, broad appeal, but we also don't do a great job of like getting foundational money. We don't do a great job of, um, I mean, it's kind of moving that way. A lot of things are going into the institutions. All my friends are getting teaching jobs, you know, and it's because of this exact thing. Not, nothing. I'm not saying that they're getting a teaching job and they're not qualified to, because of course they are. But it's like jazz is moving towards these institutional things, for better or for worse. But you know, there's still going to be people that are able to, you know, do their thing and cultivate an audience. That's why I, I've. It's just like so important for you to cut out the middleman and try to just develop your own audience on your own, and get rid of the idea of whether it's jazz or it's not jazz or it's this or it's that. It's just music, you know. It's cliche to bring up that, you know, Ellington quote of it's either good music or bad music. There's only two kinds of music, good and bad, you know, whatever. And I, I mean, I agree, but um, it is cliche, but it's true. And just you have to start cultivating your own audience as soon as you can, because the, whatever model you think exists to like become successful in the jazz industry probably won't apply to you by the time it's right time to go. You know, like it's changing all the time, you know, like, uh, being able to move to New York and play with Art Blakey or somebody like that is not really a thing. Um, so anyway, not to get too uh, 
esoteric here. Uh, Brian Soy, do you feel a difference playing in a big band with three slash five bones instead of four? How about listening to a big band with three bones, three or five bones instead of four? Well, I love Duke Ellington's section, so I love the three bone sound. And, uh, you know, it's a different sound. I'm not a big fan of the five bone sound, really. I think it's too much. I think it's too loud and too too many bass trombones. Sorry, bass trombonists. That's just how I feel. There's a lot more when you have three it's all triads because it's all three notes, you know, it tunes differently. The intonation is different when you have four versus five voices. If you ever, uh, start to mess around with that sort of stuff. Like if you, like, for example, if you have a C drone or if you have a C and a G drone, like it's going to tune differently. The E natural is going to tune differently to make that triad. I know this is super like detailed and probably too nerdy for anybody that's watching a live stream <laughs> about this. But anyway, the intonation is different. I like that three trombone sound, man. The Lincoln Center band, they do that too. Uh, sometimes you miss the low notes though, for sure. Like I think there's, it's a sound, man. It's a sound. But playing, I like both ways. I mean, it was inter it's interesting playing with the Gil Evans project, which had, it's been a little while because of everything. But um, like Gil wrote for all different size ensembles. So some of them are like one trombone, bass trombone, and tuba. Some of them are two trombones, bass trombone, and tuba. Some of them are full trombone section. Some are full trombone section plus tuba. And like hearing and blending and all of that. It's very interesting, man. It's super cool. You have to just be able to adapt to any situation. I'm putting together kind of a whole sequence of lessons about tuning with drones and stuff like this. So I've been thinking about it a lot too. It's kind of, but it's, it's super important. It's, that's how you set yourself apart as a section player too. Like, can you identify wh where your note sits in the voicing, not only in terms of the pitch, but the balance and uh, trying to make sure that it sounds good and playing Gil Evans music is a good example of that. Uh, what's your plans for your next album? Alton, that is a great question. <laughs> I had plans. And obviously things have changed, but no, I'm going to release some stuff that I've been working on, uh, on my own that's coming this spring. And then I'm working on some music for, a, it's some, I, I'm not sure how many musicians it's for yet. And I'm going to keep speaking it into existence. So I'm going to say it here on the live stream again. It's a jazz group plus a percussion ensemble. So I don't know exactly how many people it involves yet or how many, uh, music I'm thinking for jazz people like a bass drums two horns and then percussion ensemble just to try to explore some different textures because everybody does strings and then or big band and uh i don't really at some point i will do a big band but um for now i want to do something different uh and i'm writing some new tunes for my sextet too but so we're gonna take a break from q a and move back to our trading session we're gonna play like someone in love in c not an e flat in c here we go with like someone in love so I'll take the first chorus. We'll do it the same way. So we'll play the melody together, and then uh, I'll take the first chorus, and then you guys can take the second, and then we'll trade at some point, and I'll call it out like I did. Three, four. Thank you. 
Sometimes when you don't listen to the backing track before, you don't know what's about to happen at the end. But like I said, it keeps it fresh. It keeps it fresh. Speaking of JJ, man, there is a killer video of JJ playing that tune from a live TV thing in um, Europe somewhere. And he it's killing. Like he's got the band set up. There one cat is it Kenny Clark? I got Philly Joe. I forget exactly. I'll have to go look at the personnel again, but on three different like little podiums and there's some great shots of his slide technique. So if you want to check out JJ slide technique, that's the video. That's the one Jim Pugh turned me on to that. So DJ says, what do you think of you do when you're learning a tune and you can't find a single version of the tune that has a definitive version of the melody? That is a great question. Finding a way to learn the melody when you can't find a version that has a clear melody. Well, I, I guess it's a kind of a combination that you kind of hear what's similar between the two. You got to kind of put a conglomeration together and then look at the lead sheet, you know, and kind of see what the simplest version of it might be. If you want to be really specific about it, you can go and find the score to the original like musical that it came from or something like that. And I know there were some people, some colleagues of mine from at Juilliard that used to go and do that to make sure that like, you know, because we always put a like probably too many chord substitutions and like try to make it too hip. But if you want to go and see like the original stuff, you can find the score books to the from the musicals. That's like the real melody, you know, like Cole Porter's melody, the real melody. It's probably not qu quite as complex as we want to make it out to be. You know, Peter asks, what's the bluesiest JJ solo you've ever heard? Mine is a solo on J-Lock on the Kansas City album with Basie, Freddie, Eddie Lockjaw Davis. Oh, sure. Um, 
the bluesiest solo, but I think the most killing blues line is Mysterioso. It's killing. Uh, that will be the one lick I will call out. What's your favorite Count Basie tune of all time? Oh, that's a good question. You got to love blues and Haas's flat because it features the trombones. Man, I like those Basie and Sinatra records. That's kind of what I'm about. And there's like a version. There's a feature for Al Gray on uh, The More I See You. That is killing too. Uh, all right, Brian asked, do you ever feel like there's not enough time to go deep enough into all the groups or players around, even if we're only talking about the famous ones? Yes. You can't know everything. Uh, that's something that I like to say more than once to students, my students in particular, because um, it's true for me too. Like there, there isn't enough time. You have to prioritize. You have to mix what people are telling you and what you like together and figure out how that ends up with you having a really strong foundation in the music and also has your own, develops your own kind of way of playing and your own natural vocabulary decisions and all that sort of thing. I think it happens naturally from studying. So, uh, but there's no way you can't go into everybody. So for me, it's like, all right, um, I dig dug most deeply on JJ Curtis, Slide Hampton, uh, and then a little snippet of this person, that person, you know, Clifford Brown, a bunch of solos, uh, some Pat Metheny solos, some Herbie, Herbie and Chicks solos, you know, like trying to, you can't be everywhere. You can't know everything you can. So it's like, I feel like you have to go like, it's like the 80, 20 rule, right? So you, most 80% of your transcription or study should be on a small group of like five people that are really like the most influential and important. Some of them have to be on your instrument because you have to know the context of what your instrument can do. Right. Um, so if I was going to expand from there, it would also include, you know, Wycliffe Gordon, Steve Teray, Steve Davis, those people all, you know, I super highly respect and want to play like too. So, you know, that's six, I guess I transcribed a bunch of Wycliffe Gordon when I was in high school, but you know, then, then there's little things like I got into a little thing where I transcribed a bunch of Trummy Young for a while and then some Tea Garden for a while, but it was like 80% of what I'm talking, talking about is the same 20 to 30 JJ solos, Curtis solos, you know, just getting the understanding of the vocabulary and the context. And then you can kind of expand from there. And that's what makes you, you, you know, do you ever sing when you perform? Uh, no, <laughs> there was one gig I did sing. I filled in for a singer and we had a brass band and I sang. So sometimes if I'm playing like a brass band gig, yeah, sure. I might sing, but it's not really a thing that I do. Um, okay, so we got a couple more tunes. Let's we're, maybe we'll skip the blues. So we're gonna play one more tune to kind of close out today. So we'll do one more tune, and then we'll take any other questions at the end, of course. Um, all right. So, like I said at the beginning, it's JJ's birthday. So happy birthday, JJ Johnson! This week was also Cedar Walton's birthday. It was back like at the weekend, but so this week in our studio, we were kind of checking out some uh, Cedar Walton because Cedar writes great tunes and they're challenging and fun and all of that. So we're going to play a little bit of Bolivia. So Bolivia, some people have a love hate relationship with this tune because the A sections are vamp, right? There's mostly a vamp. It's one chord for a while. And then the B sections have a bunch of changes. So, uh, we're not going to, I won't dig too deep into it, but let's just trade choruses on this one. That's probably the easiest way to do it, but this one's not quite as long as the others, but so, um, we're going to jump into trading session here. One more tune today on Bolivia. Uh, and then we'll wrap it up with whatever questions are left and we'll talk about what's happening coming up in the future. Some very exciting things coming for February. I'm excited to be launching some something very cool. So 
Uh, we'll talk about that in February or coming up, but for now, we're gonna jump into Bolivia. So get your lead sheet out if you wanna do that, but we're gonna play Bolivia. And if you're playing along and you wanna record it and send it to me, I'd love to put together a little compilation of uh, all the cats trading along, which is super awesome. Uh, but no pressure, just fun. All right, so here we go. We're gonna get rolling with Bolivia. There's a long introduction. I'll cue you into the melody here. I'll just even get it rolling because that's how long the intro is. All right, here we go, Bolivia. Thank you. 
Okay, so the surprise ending again. <laughs> I'm always getting confused. What's up? I see Nick Crane is here. Jaden, what's happening, man? Uh, I see some questions came in. So that was Cedar Walton's Bolivia. So thanks for playing if you've been playing along today. We'll do it again next month, trying to get <clears throat> one trading session in per month at least, and uh, as fitting it into our Friday live stream. So if you didn't know, we're here Friday every week at around 1 p.m. Eastern time. So that tune, I guess the tune is technically in D, I think. At least the bridge kind of centers around it. But I guess you could argue otherwise. But G7 is that first chord. That's what we were doing there. Question, how can I come up with more creative lines? Uh, well, transcribe more creative lines, number one. Uh, get some more, um, like, different people into your playing. So, like, obviously trombone is great, but we got to have a little bit of extra flavor, you know? So, like... Sometimes I transcribe like, you know, Joshua Redman or transcribe to Korea or Herbie Hancock, you know, like different, more quote unquote, modern people that maybe are playing vocab the same vocabulary, but in a different way, you know, um, playing free always helps me to like try to figure out what I'm uh, playing, maybe diving deeper into the intervals and modes of the four parent scales could be something that you want to do. That's uh, major, melodic minor, harmonic minor, and and harmonic major, if you don't know the seven modes of each of those, you might find some stuff in there that uh, inspires you. When do you handwrite music versus using software? Do you think handwriting big band parts might be, handwriting band parts might be feasible if you're dipping your toes into writing and don't want to pay a ton of for software you might not use much? There are some free options. Um, the thing about writing by hand is you got to have really, really um, clear handwriting. So you got to go really slow. So when I was in grad school, our first assignment in arranging class was to do that exact thing, to write a non-at chart and the, or octet, octet. Yeah. Octet chart, but do all the parts and score by hand and make a performance copy. So you might do things like, you know, find a straight edge and make sure everything is even and like pre-mark the, the bar lines on the parts. And there's free software options. I would recommend doing the hand by hand once but as long as it's clear i don't think it matters steve teray all his stuff is all by hand and it's really great 
all his exercises, transcriptions, everything by hand. And it's really great handwriting. For me, my handwriting is terrible. <laughs> so I write on the computer. I don't, I do not compose at the computer. Uh, hardly ever. I might arrange fine voicings and type and kind of put them into the computer, but I always do it by hand on, uh, I like to use large format paper, like a score paper. Um, I stole this from this from Maria Schneider, Paul McKee, and a bunch of people have said this before, like write on giant score paper, even if it's not what it's going to be eventually. And I have a notebook. So I also have this notebook here. I'll show you uh, that I write stuff in. Here, I can show this camera. Will it focus? No. So you can't even see how bad my handwriting is. But at any rate, I have this notebook where I write stuff um, that's like quick hands. So sometimes it's melodies, sometimes it's voicing, sometimes it's chord changes, all the different ways that you can write tunes that I do. But I use a little notebook like this. And then anything that's going to go to the band, I always put it in the computer because my stuff is super sloppy. But there is education discounts you can look into. There are um, some free options. What is it? Muse score? It's better than nothing. That's for sure. Muse score. So check that out. I think it's for iPad too. Yeah, Muse Score. Confirmed, Muse Score. That's free. So you can start with that, Brian. Well, thanks everyone for being here today. Appreciate you all. It's been a very fun live stream. It's great to connect with a bunch of you again or some of you for the first time. Uh, we're going to have some guests on the show coming up in uh, February. So that'll be fun. We're going to announce uh, Mouthpiece Collaboration, which is coming up in February too, which is super awesome. Uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be back with more tunes. I'll post them up and make sure that everybody knows what the tunes are for next. If you have any suggestions, I saw somebody who said Whisper Nod earlier. We did that already, but maybe we can do it again. So that's coming up in February. Uh, some more. I'm going to do kind of like a concert kind of situation. It's kind of like today. Maybe not uh, totally trading, but kind of put it together a 20, 30 minute solo concert to do. Uh, that'll be something that I'm trying to work up for myself as a challenge, a personal challenge. We'll be back every Friday, 1 PM next Friday. I've got a masterclass that goes until 1:40 Eastern time. So it'll probably be more like two next week. If you want to, uh, Augustine, I uh, neither a King two B or three B. I play a King three B plus. Um, the plus is just a slightly larger bore, kind of medium bore, like a box 16 kind of vibe, uh, 525 bore. If you want to replay any of this stuff, it's going to be re-released without any of the, uh, the banter, uh, as, as an episode that comes out on the YouTube channel. So if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, go ahead and head over there. I see a lot of people are watching from YouTube. So you're already there. If I ever play bass trombone, uh, I am a bass trombone holder. Sure. No. Yeah. I play bass trombone when the situation warrants it. But um, I wouldn't say, like, being a doubler is not my main thing. So I don't uh, double as well on bass trombone as other people do. That's for sure. But, uh, yeah, I play bass and bass trombone. I'm so glad everybody could be here today. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to jump off. I got a call in 10 minutes that I got to get on. Thanks for being here, as always. We'll see you next week, and uh, take care.